Everybody, welcome back to the DNR podcast. I am Ron Kane. I'm Damian Robinson. And of course, we always have. And our... as always, yes, as <laughs> always. Please don't embarrass me. We have guests today, Damian. <laughs> and as always, our associate producer Trevor Monk is with us. Hello, happy to be here. Say, what's up, Trev? We waited that let for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we're very excited. We have two special guests to join us today to talk about a, uh, a documentary uh, because of this whole pandemic. Uh, this, uh, everything that happened was uh, curated in this documentary, and it's such a great story, and when, I, I just want to get to it. So I want to bring up our first guest. I want to introduce our first guest. Uh, he's a comic. He's also the director and producer of Soul Survivor. Let's introduce Brandon Dunnigan. What's up? Hey. What's hey. going on? Hey, Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I like the little Irish twist that you put on my last name, Dunnigan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like, like I said, last names are always my crutch. Like my stage name is Kane, but my last name is unpronounceable for everybody. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't bother at all. But uh, thank you for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Yes. And uh, the next, uh, our second guest, uh, he, he needs a big introduction. Uh, he is the king of Royersford. So- <laughs> I don't, don't want to brag so early in the episode. You guys already made me the second guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, he is the king of Royersford. He he has helped save comedy during this whole mess of a pandemic of COVID-19. The star of uh, the documentary, Soul Survivor, and of course, the owner, the one and only Soul Joel Richardson. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey. Yes. Yeah, no, thank you, bro. Yeah, thank Yo, you. You know, for- I, I got when I, when I was taught, you guys came out uh, to support uh josh come, come out to the show uh, a couple weeks ago yes i was trying to you guys probably get this a lot you're telling me about how you're you know you're cultivating your own comedy scene in harrisburg and, and lancaster and i have a show that i do once a month in oxford and i was there last night and i gotta be honest it's not even close to lancaster like i thought it was like 10 minutes away it's like 45 minutes <laughs> yeah right it's not close yeah yeah not at all yeah, you guys were very polite. You guys just kept shaking your head, like, "Yep, yep." <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, there's there's an uh, Oxford, Pennsylvania. Then there's New Oxford, Pennsylvania. There's probably an old Oxford, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Oxford Valley, and yeah, yeah. So there's so many. So you could be anywhere in the state of Pennsylvania and go to an Oxford, I guess. <laughs> and it's funny, Ron. You and I have a lot in common. Uh, you, you, your last name is uh, unpronounceable. That's why I started going by Soul Joel, because when I first started open mics 15 years ago, my last name is Richardson. Very easy to pronounce, just like Brendan Dunnigan. But somehow you messed that up, Ron. Thanks. Good job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but people would introduce me like this next comic coming to the stage. Please welcome Joel Richards. And they would just shorten. I'm so like, I'm like, how do you mess that up? So it was just because it's long. So I just started going by Soul Joel was my nickname in high school. So just uh, just a hook. Everybody needs a hook. People yeah. remembered it. Then it turned yeah. into everything that it's, uh, it's grown to be. Yes. I completely don't blame you for that because hearing your name get butchered, butchered, you just get tired of it and correcting people. Oh, it's such yeah. a, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we, I, I first, let me say guys, uh, I love the documentary. It was very insightful giving that picture uh, of everything that happened and uh, it opened my eyes, like Joel, seeing the story from where you started and where you have come, 
like that story is awesome i i Thanks, love man. hearing that i yeah it that warms my heart well uh, it's funny because now, now we started doing shows again and people are like oh it's so nice to see you expanding you're like no the expansion was soldiers like that was us expanding like now we're just going back to where we were as things start opening up again so uh a lot of people just you know however we met them whether it was one year ago or five years ago 10 or 15 they know the story but even some people that i grew up with since kindergarten weren't able to follow it all along and didn't know that i knew nate bargatze Giannis Papas, you know big J. Like they just heard bits and pieces, but they might not know the whole story. So that was something that, you know, Brennan did a good job of putting it all together. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that. And I do have some questions about some of those guys. And yeah. so, yeah, let's let's get into it. Dame, do you want to ask anything? Before? Well, and Damien, first of all, I mean, we got we have to you're, you're the only black guy on the show. and We have to say rest <laughs> in peace, DMX. I mean, you're not going to talk about the fact that DMX is is your backdrop. I mean. That's how I got the nickname Soldier, baby. I used to go dancing <laughs> on Thursday night and Sunday night. I was the only white guy going to Egypt on the waterfront in Philly. And uh, oh, I used no to kidding. love, you know, yeah. So we, we used to be black. I graduated high school in 1998. So that was the height of DMX. Okay, that's what's up, man. Hell yeah, that was the year he uh, That was the year he came out commercially. I knew yep. about DMX in like 1995. Um I got a couple. Uh, one of my cousins is a is a premier DJ around here, but I also um also have a lot of cousins that DJ. Uh, one of one of them was the DJ for the Nappy Roots, and a couple in New York City who actually okay. worked with like K Slay and all of them. So um, like I I knew about DMX like two two years before everybody knew who who he was even going to be. You know right. what I mean? Um, yeah, and um, my my cousin is uh my cousin's father is also the uh the president of the Rough Riders Uptown chapter in New York City. But now he's uh, he's since left New York City, but he's based in uh, Baltimore right now. And um, he actually still does the security for like any Rough Rider shows. He's the guy who sets up uh, which Rough Riders is going to ride out with like when uh, DMX, Eve, the locks, whoever, whoever was part of Rough Riders. Uh, yeah. So like, you know, uh, with that right there, man, that's just a, a homage to the to the big dog. You know what I'm saying? No, it's cool, man. Yeah, but um, uh, man, I will tell you what, man, um, what what I saw in the documentary, like I was a little hesitant. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. I was a little because it wasn't about you. I, I get it. No, no, I I, <laughs> I don't care about myself. Ron and Ron and Ron and Trevor will tell you, I I don't I don't really care about myself for like all the big accolades and stuff. But um, I I, I was like, all right, uh, I got because I got kids, so you know my life is like real hectic. Right. chasing these shows and dealing with my kids uh one of the few black men in america that does that but um <laughs> <laughs> awkward silence i'll laugh <laughs> thank you bro appreciate it hey, but, um yeah so so I, I i watched it um i watched it as i was uh you know getting stuff ready for my kids this morning and everything like that and um i was i was highly impressed man to see your grind over over the span of the years that you've been doing comedy and and to where you're at now man that's like a that's that's an amazing story. So when when all those people were popping up, I'm like, I get it. You know what I mean? Like you've been making these connections and you're keeping them. And and so yo, your hustle is phenomenal, man. So shout out to you, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah Joel. Uh, so you, how long have you been in the comedy business? I know you had started out as a comic. Then. Yeah. So so in May it'll be 15 years that I started comedy, and it'll be uh, 12 years since I left. Uh, my day job uh, in corporate America to to do all this full time. Um, but it wasn't until 2019 that I actually had my own place. I always produce shows at other people's venues. Um, so, yeah. So like for 13 years, I was doing shows at various like halls or casinos, country clubs, you know, whoever would have me. So, yeah. And well, let me ask you, too. What was your initial goal in starting those shows? Since you're a comic, uh, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I so so it was it was literally uh, from day one was just to create my own stage time um, instead of if I was going to get all these people to come out to a show and do you know I, as they call in the industry bringer shows where I got to bring five audience members or ten audience members to get stage time. Well, I might as well do that and make the money off of it 
and I have control, quality control over, you know, where the show is, what time the show is. Um, that's, that's how I started producing my own show because uh, a guy canceled the first time I ever did a show and I had like 30 people coming. So, Ooh. and he just gave me a wishwashy answer of, it was a promoter DJ and he was like, oh, the, the one owner didn't sign off on it. The other owner did. And it was like six hours before the show. It was like two o'clock and the show was at eight. So I was like, I never wanted to be, it wasn't my fault, but I felt totally responsible. So I never wanted to be in that situation again. So uh, I just created, a sh you know, shows wherever I had family members. And it just grew into, now, you know, years later, I've done shows in 21 different states. Yeah. And that really amazes me. Uh, what that what people do to comedy shows like what you just said like six hours before the show to give you that that bullshit it's you're absolutely right and i'm bottom of the barrel yeah and it's like wh why are you even even doing this and right. and i applaud you for not doing bringer shows as well those are like heart you know knife to the heart shows it's a necessary evil in the beginning but you realize it's not really helping anyone Correct. Because yeah, then audience members are like, oh, I can only laugh at Brendan, but I can't laugh at Ron and Damien. Oh, man, I thought he was funny, but I didn't want to laugh too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, Brandon, I'm going to ask you something because uh, you're looking at me like, please don't make this all about Joel. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, so how long have you been doing comedy, Brendan? Um, about three and a half years. OK. OK. And uh, so you originally. So did you start in the area around Joel's? Is that how you met Joel and really yeah. got to it more? Yeah, exactly. I um, Joel was the first guy I met in comedy. And before, so I started around like the Philly scene. But really, I started with Joel at, uh, at Valley Forge Casino. I just walked in one day and Joel was producing shows at, at the casino at the time. And um, didn't know anything about you know comedy or the scene, but I knew I wanted to, to get into it. And I was there with a couple of friends of mine. And I went up to Joel afterward and I just asked him if he did like an open mic or anything like that. And Joel uh, was like, hey, man, I'll, I'll give you a shot. I'll give you five minutes. And I was like, OK. And then um, yeah, he booked me on a show and, and gave me a, a guest spot just to see you know, what I could bring to the table. And then we kind of stayed in touch from from there. And then like little by little, you know, Joel would, you know, throw me a show here, throw, show me a throw there. And then I started getting into the Philly scene. And then um, Joel started managing me and, uh, and and booking me on the road with all of the, the road gigs that, that Joel had. And that was one of the, um, the things about the documentary is it shows, you know, the progression a little bit, but it actually only kind of documents the last two years like Joel has been doing these road gigs for 15 years. So it, it does show a lot of the progression from like where Joel started. And then, you know, obviously to where things are today, but there's also a lot of years in the past that, uh, I mean, Joel's been doing this even longer than, than the documentary shows. Yes. Uh, Joel, there is a, there is something that you said uh, early in the documentary. You're like, when someone came up to you and said, Oh, you're bringing joy to people. And you just uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so a lot of times I don't know, like, who's in the audience. And I didn't realize this whole group of people that kept growing um, every month that came to our monthly shows. And this happened at, at Valley Forge and at uh, this Robin's Nest in uh, Mount Holly, New Jersey. It was a group of widow and widowers. And they used to come up to, to either my dad or my mom after a show. And they were like, you know, they would tell them, like, listen, you don't know how much joy Joel brings to us. And, uh, you know, it, it might be the first time that they left the house since, um, you know, their significant other passed away. So, you know, it, it, and other people come, you know, say that they're, you know, going through a cancer treatment or, or whatever it is. Like, you don't know why. And so laughter, saying laughter is the best medicine. You don't realize how true that is, depending on what people are going through. And that's one of the most joys that I get out of my job is sitting in the back and watching the audience react to the comics, not just watching the comics, but watch literally endorphins get released as people start laughing and they forget whatever troubles they're going through on, the, on a daily or weekly basis. That's yeah. Very, yeah. That is so cool to hear you say that. Yeah. I kind of have that same mentality also. Yeah. And you're right. Just seeing, you know, joy and just people laughing and not fighting with one another or just just taking them away from their lives and that's a great product that you can deliver all the time and that's yeah 
No, and it's funny too, because uh, Brendan and I had this idea, like you said, two years ago, uh, we initially were going to be in another lo location in Royer's Square, which we thought we were going to have to build from the ground up. And we ended up in the spot that we're at now, which was, it was just, we ended up renting a room in this office building. Um, so we didn't have to build, we we're going to like document the whole process of this is, you know, what we're doing in the four walls and everything. So Brendan started literally going um, around to all these venues. You know, it was this, you know, 10 years in a row, I did this uh, fire hall near giant stadium and, you know, Brendan's in the green room and ended up being like the fire hall. We talk about the, the hot water heater, you know, it's, yes. uh, it's yeah, the, the real show and show business. Oh, but yeah. um, we just happened to have that footage. So when we decided, uh, you know, in the you know fall, actually it was probably like late late fall, early winter, that Brendan had the idea to come up kind of uh, to the documentary. Two minutes later, I'm on stage going, "We're making a documentary," and Brendan's like, "Dude, I just we literally just had this conversation <laughs> two minutes ago," and I'm on stage. I'm like, "Don't talk about it, be about it. Let's go." Yes, fucking right, man. Make it manifest. <laughs> oh, that's and that's and that is a question I wanted to ask, uh, Brendan is, uh. Like I, I see the tenacity obviously in Joe, and <laughs> just like what he said, when he, when he brings an idea to you or says, "I want to go do this," do you, is it a moment of like, "Oh yeah," or shit? Oh, I think it, <laughs> it's always exciting, but there's also an element of "Oh fuck!" Like Joel's got it. Joel's running with another idea because Joel and I are both dreamers. Joel definitely. Where he's like, all right, guys, you know, we're, we're doing this. I don't know how we're going to do it. No, you know, Joel is big picture guy, you know, puts it all together, has has his idea and then works his ass off to get there. But the details is not necessarily Joel's strong suit, which is why he's built <laughs> around him. Who, who we show in the documentary, Dan Callahan, Joey, St. John, his sister, Deanna. But he's got a lot of people keeping him in check because otherwise, I mean, things would really go off the rails. Like, you know, uh, when it comes to details. So that's the, Oh fuck part of it is like, all right, we don't know how we're going to get this done. Uh, but you know, we, we always figure it out. Um, you know, just kind of together as a team. Yeah. yeah. Real, real quick. There's a, uh, um, when you guys said manifest, that's one thing that Brendan and I are big on. And, and we kind of uh, help each other out with that. And last year, uh, we announced that we had a special guest um, to, to head the, the Summerfest, which was 17 days in a row. And to be honest, the, we said special guest on day 17 because the truth is we didn't have the headliner booked. So we were like, we just were selling tickets and we didn't have the headliner booked. So then it ended up being Dave Attell. We finally got him booked and we got Dave Attell. So Dave, and he, te he texts like... Uh, like someone who's like 80 years old. Uh, but it turns out it was just because he had a flip phone. He has a and flip was, phone. Yep. Yeah. So he texted me, he goes, hey, Joel, it's Dave A. Call me when you can. I'm like, Dave A. I was like, okay, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and I'm talking to him and he goes, all right, so we got, I had James Manor who hosted every show. He was in the documentary. Yes. And then uh, he's bringing uh, Louis Katz, the feature who helped me get a tell. And uh, then he goes, and then you got a, a guest spot. And I was like, oh, I was like, who are you bringing as a guest spot? He goes, Joel, aren't you running a festival? Don't you have 30 comics standing in the back? Grab one of them by the neck and throw them on the stage. And I was like, oh, that's what he means. So I literally get off the phone. I call Brendan. And, and Brendan literally was, was him and his girlfriend were manifesting the fact that he was going to open up for uh, a tell. And literally two minutes later, I'm calling him to be like, a tell wants you to open for him. And so... I went to introduce him. I'm like, Hey, Brendan, this is a tell. And Attell goes, Oh, Brendan, thanks so much for doing this. And Brendan was like, I've been in this business for three years. You're thanking me yeah. doing it 30 years. That's, just, that's the kind of guy that Attell is. It tells a comics comic, man. Like yeah. he, he brought candy for the whole staff. And apparently he does it all the time. And he looked at me, he goes, Hey, Joel, make sure you share it with the staff and tell them it's for me. Cause I guess I had that look less. I'm about to eat all the candy. <laughs> That is such a great story. Yeah. He's the best, man. He is the Hell best. Yeah. He has oh, every my. right to never talk to me again, cash the check, and forget. But dude, he just he wants people to remember him like that, and it's so refreshing, like you said, to hear because a guy probably does what five hundred, you know, three hundred shows a year, five hundred shows a year, and but everyone yeah. matters to him and all the people that he meets. It's That's cool. a perfect example of how Joel puts it together too. Like he'll have the idea of like, hey, let's do a, a summer festival. 
and we're like, oh shit, all right, like how are we going to do this? He'll start booking it and putting it out there and kind of manifesting himself without a headliner, even booked. I don't know how I'm going to get David Tell. I don't know who we're going to get, but he'll start doing it. And, you know, he works his ass off and, and figures it out. But that's the fun part is, you know, he has these ideas, but the scary part of like, dude, how are we going to pull this off? But he figures it out. Yeah, that that's really, <laughs> that that is so ballsy. Just to start, you know, promoting a show for all the talent that you don't even have lined up yet, Joel. No. That, that's completely ballsy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It probably has caused me to lose hair, maybe some sleep, but uh, in the end, it's like it all works out. Yeah, Yay. I'm surprised you actually have dark hair, Joel. I'm <laughs> practically all white i mean geez. that's so funny man <laughs> i was like i'm stressed out man <laughs> so uh yeah. so no, when you putting this together this documentary together uh brandon uh did, did, did you did you feel like it was gonna grow into this big monster or were you completely surprised? I pretty surprised, man. I, I didn't really know exactly where we were going with this thing. You know, we had the idea. We we knew what we wanted it to accomplish, which was really just kind of showing the story of how Joel persevered and kept the club alive and, and also expanded it during 2020. But it was just hard to picture, like, how we, you know, I've never directed a film before. Um <laughs> I didn't know who we were going to be able to, to interview, what it was going to look like. And, and luckily we had all this footage from beforehand, but to see where it had gone and, and Joel being able to get it in a, a theater showing, you know, we, we showed it at Stone Harbor theater. We showed it at the club. Now we're, we're doing the, the YouTube release. Um, it turned out to be something that I was completely surprised by. Like I, I didn't really expect it to look the way that it, it turned out to be, but um you know, for, for the better, you know, it's something I, you know, am very proud of, but definitely going into it, we didn't know what it was going to look like or how we were going to do it. Yes. I, I, from those stories from Joel, I could just see now Joel walking up to you. Like you've just gotten off stage. You, you've had, you've had a pretty good set and Joel just puts his hand on your shoulder. You're going to direct this film kid. Let's go. Like, what am yeah. I doing? <laughs> And you're going to produce it. You're going to do everything. <laughs> not too far off from, from exactly how it happened. Like, Joel, <laughs> I, I think it was, I, I can't remember who, uh, who the show was, but you were sitting, you know, backstage before you get up, you know, on, on the stage at, at Joel's. And uh, we were talking about the idea. We're like, you know, I, I think it could be pretty cool. Let, let's put, you know, put everything together. Maybe you know, we'll put it out on YouTube and, and get some, some eyes on it. And Joel's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right, cool. And then gets up on stage and, and announces a, not only the idea, but he, he puts a deadline on it. He's like, March 14th, we're releasing this documentary. <laughs> Brennan's directing the whole thing. I'm super excited. I'm like, dude, I haven't even started this thing yet. And he just put it out there. But then it forced me to, to get it done. But that was a year uh, of the shutdown. So we, because we are Montgomery County on the edge of Delaware County. Um, I'm sorry, Chester County. So across the river, a hundred feet the other way, we would have been open until March 20th. But because we are in Montgomery County, we got our last show was Thursday night, March 12th. So we decided Sunday night to have a, a, the year anniversary of the shutdown. So that's okay. kind of where that date came from. But it also, like you said, it gave Brendan a deadline, but a deadline of something he's never done before. Yeah. So, so fun. Like, he like won't tell you. And then he'll come back off stage and be like, no good. Like, is that <laughs> like, oh, no, should I, should I not have done that? And I'm like, I mean, no, it's fine, but we, we gotta, we gotta hustle now. Just, just Joel being Joel. Oh yeah. Well, uh, All right. I, I want I want to talk about um like this is the moment that I realized that you guys were like getting ready to explode because I I watch about maybe uh forty or fifty podcasts throughout the week I'm a truck driver so I actually drive and watch podcasts or listen to them in my truck and um the incident with Big J Okerson when that happened I was like holy shit like this this club is actually fucking like dangerous and I wanted I want to I want to like get there somehow some way you know what i mean like well, the fake beach is a royer's ford it's yeah. not safe it's not safe it's not safe 
it's like the backwoods Inglewood, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, oh, like yeah. by the beach, <laughs> you know. But um, no, like when I saw that incident, I was like, holy shit, you know. And I was uh, I, I was just like, man, this is this is like my kind of club. Like I love the chaos, and that that just seemed like chaotic. Like if I would have been in the crowd, oh, I'm definitely helping out with Big J. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't even announce that I'm a comic and or anything like that. Like I just like to. I sometimes I like to take advantage and, and you know. If I see an open shot, I'm getting it. You know what I mean? Yeah, me, me <laughs> so did the guy that had the can of mace. Oh, shit, yeah. That's the only thing that stopped it. That's the only yeah. thing that stopped it. That is crazy. Yeah, and, you know, I had that. I, did you? Did everyone read my notes that's on this? I mean, Joel, I mean, you're like practically, it's insane. Oh, yeah, well, I, we've, we've obviously told this story over and over again, but I, uh, I always like to, to give a different spin. But I wanted to tell you, too, like, I've known all these guys. It's in the documentary for years. Like, uh, and I reached out to um, uh, Luis Gomez, or at least the number that I thought I had. And all I got back were pornographic pictures. And it was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I still, it, it still could be Lewis. Like, it, like, that's just his sense of humor. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm not, a, uh, this isn't Lewis. And he just like, it's just, and I'm like, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, you could have just said this is not answer. Lewis. Yeah. So so okay. Uh, the, that was the a lot. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's no, all right. Fine. Nah, yeah. <laughs> the the incident with Jay. Now, when that initially happens, uh, are you like terrified since you're the club owner? Yeah. So for whatever reason, like, and I'm not really a big drinker, um, but that night, like. No one had drank. It was like the, it was literally, like I said, we did it 17 days in a row. That was night 14. So it was just uh, a, a calm came over me when it happened. I just went and started separating people. And I mean, literally that the, the pepper spray and everything, the mace, whatever it was, the dad's going, not again, not again. I'm like, not again, not again. You brought this animal to the club. Not again. And, what people don't know realize is that we had a 17 day pass and the stepmom of this kid came every night and her husband, which were, it was his kids. They're the ones that caused this mess. And he was probably there half the night. So it was someone that was big supporters of our, ours, but just happened to be, you know, their white trash relatives. Oh. <laughs> Court case is still pending. I probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, yeah. All right, we'll edit that out. No, yeah. no, no, no. You whatever. Okay. Oh, we won't dig any more into that. I do. No, 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 no. You can ask questions, man. I don't care. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Dame, do you have any more <laughs> questions about? <laughs> uh, no, that 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 answered uh that answered my question, and I, uh, I was just like uh, I I've been uh I actually uh gave your I was I just performed at the Harrisburg Comedy Zone last night. Yeah. And I actually uh, referred your comedy club to a couple of people because they're they're looking to go see more and more big acts. And it was a couple black couples there last night. So I, I actually referred your club to, to them and told them, you know, look in the Sojos. They got D.L. Hewley coming. I heard yeah. Earthquake is going to be coming out there. Bill Bellamy, yep. Andrew Dice Clay. So, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. So I was I was kind of like doing footwork and, and everything like that for you out there. Because when I came out there uh, for the open mic, and then when I saw uh, Josh DeWay, Jimmy Schubert, uh, Mattern, and then yeah. you know the other uh, the other guy, I can't remember, but I remember he was bald, and I went out to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> but Greg when I came Owens, back, yeah. yeah, Greg Owens, yeah. When I came back, he had me laughing too, you know. But that's kind of like my thing um, is I'll, I'll I'll sneak away from the comedy from comedy for a second because I'm a bad smoker and. Uh, but when I came back, man, like I was the, the show was just so fucking impressive that like I, I told my parents and, and my wife and everything like you guys have to come out there. It's a, it's a great club. So you've been getting a lot of support from me on the on the black underground scene around here in Harrisburg. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brandon, I have a question for you. Sure. Since, since you're the director of the documentary and in part with this the incident with Jay and uh, since you know you have all that documented, you're sifting through that as a comic yourself. Like after that happened, do, do you ever feel because you've been out on the road and stuff? Do you ever 
Does that ever concern you being out on the road that like somebody's just going to attack you from the audience? Well, before that, that definitely was never, never crossed my mind. But after the J thing, um, I don't know. I, I think it's such a rare occasion that something like that is going to happen. Um, you know, I, I've definitely done some sketchy shows, especially like coming up in comedy. You just do everything like, you know, crazy okay. open mics, um, crazy. Like I, I did a show, not a show. I did an open mic, you know, I'll, I'll go anywhere at this, but I did an open mic uh, at a strip club like a couple of months ago. And uh, it was already crazy. You're, you're at a strip club and people are just walking through. It was a horrible environment. And the next thing you know, the fire alarm goes off. So they're like filtering all the strippers and all of the, the people that were in the strip club through the show. And they're all just, piled into this one room because they're like hey we got to have everybody packed in here like you guys continue with your comedy or whatever bullshit you're doing as there's like naked whores walking around and <laughs> you're supposed to get somebody's attention with your jokes uh so that was a pretty crazy environment where like maybe a fight could have broken out but i don't know I, i've never been in a situation where i was fearful that somebody was going to rip me off stage I, I think that that's such a rare thing that can happen but if if it does happen in the open mic circuit, that's most likely where something like that could happen. I got, I got a, I got a question. Is that strip club comedy show still going? Because I think, I think it probably is. I, I don't know if I'll ever go back, but uh, I think there's still. <laughs> I'm, I, I would love to give that a shot. <laughs> yeah, two for one, man. Na naked girls and yeah, you got, I, I, got some material. Focus, focus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's, uh, I want to, Joel, no. uh, I want to well, talk. Oh, God. Go I, I was going to say with the, the big J thing also is that, uh, it was almost like the perfect storm where the show was two minutes away from ending. Oh, and, wow. and we had a guest spot, uh, Casey Aurora that, that state he, he was featuring Wednesday night and Friday night, um, Friday night for Chuck nice Wednesday for Giannis Pappas. And so he stayed overnight just to do a guest spot. So that caused it to be a longer show. And, and, and Luis Gomez was like, yeah, of course, like we're coming out of quarantine. Like the more comics on the less time that, you know, Jay and I have to do, they had Zach Amico open James Madden hosting. And, uh, uh, they uh, big Jay wasn't even supposed to be on the show. Dave Smith, their other podcast partner had a death in the family and big Jay literally got added to the show that Tuesday. So it was so many moving parts that like all came together at the last minute um, that, I mean, it literally put us on the map. Uh, more people knew about us in 14 hours than in 14 years of me being in this business. <laughs> it's crazy. That, yeah. That's, that's the cannon blast. Yes. Yep. Sometimes, sometimes you need that watershed moment, I guess. That's yeah. Yeah. And the next day we announced uh, Jim Brewer was going to be there. And that Sunday, David tell. So it was lightning struck three times in three days where we, I was talking to Jim Brewer's manager and he was like, all right, this is the money. This is the day. And he's like, and by the way, what happened at your place last night? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> everyone knows about it. That, yeah. It's such a good problem to have. Such a good yeah. problem to have almost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I want to talk about James Madden a little bit. Uh, yeah, of course. As your host, uh, I, I'm a fan of James. I love, I, I love his podcast, the commissioner of comedy so how long have you known James? Yeah, so he was, uh, so one of the other comics that I manage, uh, uh, Shuli Edgar, who was a writer producer for the Stern Show, when he moved from Vegas six, 17 years ago um, to move to New York to work full time for Howard Stern, James was the one who helped him move across country and he started doing comedy uh, full time in New York. And so him and I ran into a job. I've literally known him since like day one of comedy, probably, you know, 14, 15 years and he was he quarantined. He left New York because that's where, the, you know, back in March, that's where it was like really big. So he went to Vegas just to, to escape for a few months. And I kept telling him, like, hey, we're doing this festival. It's going to be, you know, 17 straight days. I'm going to need you here to host because sometimes I'll host my own shows or I'll Brendan host or what. But I knew with doing events like this on that magnitude that it was going to keep getting bigger and it's going to outgrow me even. So, uh, so having him all the comics know him from being the best host in New York. Um, so having him here, it was, was a huge asset because then the comics felt comfortable because a lot of times, even still, 
it's their first show that they're doing in, in six months or a year. So to have James here, the comics felt comfortable. And that's the one thing that you want. You want the audience to have a good time, but you want the talent and the comics to feel safe, feel comfortable um, in order for them to shine. So James was a huge asset to that. And he, he moved, basically moved in with us for uh, my sister, her four kids, Uncle Joel, and James Madden. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a sitcom in waiting, Joel. Oh, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, my sister said in the documentary it was like full house. And somehow wow. I ended up being Uncle Joey and, and he's Uncle Jesse. I don't know. He's, I really cool liked that, man. by the way. I liked that she said that. It was very wholesome. I was like, yeah, that's it, cute. It, yeah, that. it was. It. <laughs> my two uncles. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry if I put that if those ideas float out out there. Uh, oh, buddy, it's 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 out there in the universe. I'm just waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, yeah. The uh, what you say about comics and like respecting them, I appreciate that so much. But at the same time, you also have to loathe comics, especially. Because I want to reference the the documentary when you're out there, you know, moving all this sand around, and you say, you know, Giannis pulls up in his car, rolls down the window, and is like, ah, oh, still doing shows in the apocalypse, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's uh, that's Giannis and I knowing each other for years, and uh, always being a little passive aggressive, and and you know, he has to he has to be busting balls, um, but the fact that he was driving his Tesla. And, I, and I'm elbow deep in the sand. I'm like, not now, bud. Not now. Yeah. That's like the last thing that you want yeah. to hear. It's, yeah. It's, and it was ironic that that moment, too, was on the eve of the Big J incident. That was like, and then all of a sudden it went up. But like that moment, too, was like something I'll never forget. Like him pulling up and be like, still trying to do shows in the apocalypse. We're like, yeah, that's why we're here. Cause I never stopped. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so great. Uh, so you, you've worked with a lot of comics. Uh, you don't have to name names, and I'm not asking you to. But ha have you definitely have you met more than one comic that you never want to work again? Oh with, yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. There. I mean, uh, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But um, but I oh, know. I mean, there's there's yeah. I want to work with comics that are good people and funny. Um, but a couple that like really blew me out of the water. One of the people asked me this too, Michael Rappaport, Michael Rappaport has this persona that he he's a, he's a dick, but that guy was the biggest sweetheart. And when I thanked him, he went head to head with the Eagles on Sunday night football and sold out a show and three quarters. He did two shows. And I go, do you know, he goes, I went head to head with the Eagles. Yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm a giants fan. You think I care? And I just went straight out of it. But then I woke up Friday morning because I don't know a lot of times what press these guys are going to do. And he did the CBS morning show in Philadelphia. And then he did uh, um, Preston and Steve. And I woke up on my, 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 my either like emails or text messages or Facebook messages. People were blowing me up like Rappaport's talking about this. He's talking about that. And I thanked him for all the press. He go, and he turned to me and he goes, I'm sorry I didn't do more. He's like, I could have done more. And I'm like, this guy could have taken my check, never talked to me again. And then the next day he texted me in all caps. He goes, that was fun. I'm like, man, I'm like, that guy was the, what, the nicest guy I've met in the last year that really, really surprised me. Yeah, it's, it's really good hearing stories like that. Uh, you also, uh, it looks like you have a long hi uh, history with Nate Bargatze as well. Yeah, yeah. Red State Nate. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny seeing seeing the those old videos of him. It, it's it's just funny seeing his transformation just over time. Oh, absolutely! And he was the, one of the guys that uh, when Brendan asked me about earlier earlier venues, that was my first road gig, uh, and the address was two and a quarter miles south of the Pocono Raceway, and it was half pizzeria, half bar. And Nate headline, we uh, we always do myself and three comics. And at the time I was working in pharmaceutical sales. So they paid for all the car gas and insurance. So I didn't care. I got their own free gas, free tolls. Nice. But this guy, Pat O'Shea and my other buddy, John Zaluga, who now is a writer and producer for the impractical jokers. And I started with him on Staten Island. And uh, this guy, Pat O'Shea literally had a joke that he was like quoting some movie and it was like, shut up, Leon, just shut up. 
And this guy who had been there since four o'clock was just so drunk at the bar. And he goes, that's a good idea. Why don't you shut up? And like, there's nothing else. That's all we have. So to be told to shut up, like, that's just, that's the worst. You can't recover from that. And he didn't. He completely bombed. So then Nate asked to borrow my cell phone and started texting. And we got back from Pennsylvania into New Jersey, getting to like the New York radio frequency. This is like 2008. So uh, it was when K-Rock, 92.3, where, where uh, Stern went right before Sirius XM. And Nate was like, oh, do you guys, we haven't really talked. Do you guys like rock and roll? Do you like rock? And they're like, yeah, they're sitting in the back. Nate's sitting in the front, drunk. And uh, all of a sudden, all the DJ comes back and he goes, hey, you were just listening to Enter Sandman by Metallica. This is Dan Soder. And uh, and Soder was the you know the, the um, overnight DJ on K Rock. That's why he came to New York to DJ. And uh, he was by the way just got a word that Soul Joel Productions just rocked out in the Poconos. Shut up, Pat. Just shut up. And you just saw Pat's face just go <laughs> ghost white. And he was like, "Oh my God, they already know. I bombed so bad. They're already talking about it back in New York." <laughs> And he goes, he goes, at first, I just thought it was some sort of, uh, you know, ad that I paid for on K-Rock. And then he's like, no, but they, they, they said my name. And then Nate just yeah. started busting out laughing because he's such a he's just a jokester. That's how he loves to have fun. So he, he was and he told him the whole story. But for that 30 seconds, you just saw his face just turn white, like a million people just heard the fact that I bombed in the Poconos. Like <laughs> but those are the kind of stories on the come up that you never can forget, man. They can't take that away. And it was like something that, you know, we'll always have together to, to realize we're all in the car and that, you know, Nate's selling out theaters and he just released his what second or third Netflix special. And yeah. Zaluga is on the impractical jokers and, you know, he's writing and producing for them. And now I got my own club. So I'm always happy for all the guys that I started the journey with. Like I'm, I, I love to be associated with success. So I'm never threatened by, I put Pete Davidson on, on uh, SNL and him. And I don't talk all the time now, but I put him on stage for the first time three weeks before his 16th birthday. And I, I love the fact he canceled on me the first time I was going to headline him. Cause he had to go uh, take a, a meeting with NBC with Lauren Michaels. And he goes, I hope you're not mad at me. And I'm like, Matt, why would I be mad at you? And the next week they're announcing him as the youngest cast member since Eddie Murphy and uh, Adam Sandler. So it's like, all this is good. And then people on Facebook are like, I can't believe he's on SNL. I just saw him, you know, a year ago, you know, on, on one of your shows. It's like, yeah, that's, that's the kind of talent that we're working with. That's, that's so very cool. Does it ever just blow your mind when you just take a step back and think about like all the talent that you've been in contact yeah, with? Yeah. Well, and and I are? always, I always love like, like it's so easy when, uh, when you tell me to like, uh, you can name names and like the negative and I actually block out the negative. I always want to focus on the positive. Like there was like two or three names that I was going to say, I'll be like, I don't want to work with this person. I don't want to research this person can go F themselves. This person, like, I don't want to, I always yeah, want to focus sure. on the positive and um, cause this industry is too small, man. And I, I'd rather forgive them and hopefully down the road things change and I would work with them again. But uh, I'd rather just focus on the positive And like you said, like reflect on that and, yeah, it's, it's a but I don't ever take the time to reflect until people like Brendan put together a documentary and I'm like, you know what? We've done some cool stuff over the last two years. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the documentary uh, is is out. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, correct? Yeah, on Soul Joel TV. So it's YouTube uh, backslash Soul Joel TV. And uh, it's, it's right there. It's the first or second video. Great. Yes. And okay. I recommend if you have not seen it, you have to check it out. Joel, I have to ask you this as well. What was it like, uh, uh, like almost crushing uh, your fan base with your April Fool's joke of you were moving to Austin? Well, you know, that was uh, that was a ploy um, that we did for for uh, our landlord. So, um yeah, that was uh, we were locked out of the building. So, oh, okay. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a couple of incidents that happened. Um, we had a national documentary company came in and Brendan made fun of me this, too. I was like, we're having a, de uh, a debut of our screening Sunday, March 14th, uh, our documentary with Brendan. Um, but also tonight they went from Chicago 
to Austin, Texas, to New York, to LA. And now they're here in Royersport because Royersport is the top five in comedy in the country. We have a national film document in the house tonight. But please welcome Brendan Donegan. And Brendan's like, uh, did you like how Joel just upstaged our own documentary? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, but um, but yeah, that whole April Fool's joke was um, yeah, we were we were pl- kind of playing a little bit of a game of uh, cat and mouse and chicken, however you want to refer to it. Um, so we 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 had we had Russell Peters literally coming to arguably our biggest international star, and we didn't have indoor plumbing, so I had to get a doc- uh, I had to get an RV, and uh, our landlord still wouldn't let us back in, so that's when we started posting. All right, do you like this RV? Do you like that RV? I was like, if we're not getting it back in the building, these RVs are going to get bigger and bigger and, and gaudier. And, <laughs> and, uh, it's going to, it's going to look, it's going to be hundred feet long. And all of a sudden we got back in. Nice. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah. But you never know. We, we, we might expand and that might be down the road. Um, but for now, uh, Royers Ford's our home. Nice. That's uh, dope, man. Dope. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's great to hear that. So can I, what do you have planned for the future? I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah. as much as you want to tell, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, we got, we got some things coming up with the pipeline. Uh, we're, we're going to do, uh, uh, a bigger festival in the summer. Um, we're going to start having other rooms open up that we were doing once a month. We probably had about seven or eight that were going on a monthly basis, whether it was the first Friday or the first Saturday of the month. Um, we're going to keep doing bigger events at our place. And you know, eventually down the road, we're gonna we're gonna open up other comedy clubs and other locations. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're also gonna do next year. We're gonna do a, a resort takeover in uh, in Cancun. So we're gonna do a vacation with different comics and different ideas and stuff like that. We're gonna announce that pretty soon. Nice. That's that's great news. And uh, yeah. Brandon, Brandon, what is it like being affiliated with the number one comedy club in America? It's great. I mean, feel very lucky, man. I. Uh... I, a lot of people throughout this year, you know, would uh, who, who didn't know me would go, oh, man, you really blew up this year. You know, all, all the stage time you're getting from Joel. Uh, but a lot of people didn't realize, like, I had been working with Joel since day one. He was the first person I met in comedy. But then as Joel exploded, people kind of associated that with like, oh, man, look, look at uh, look at you all of a sudden working with the, the number one comedy club. Um, like I have been. It's just we had different places. Uh, all over the place like Joel had me on the road uh, and we've been you know building this thing together but yeah I I feel really lucky that I've been along for this ride and and just the timing of when I kind of came into the picture you know worked out (laughs) really great so I got just feel really lucky man it's it's been uh it's been awesome that's what's up man that's what's up so so all right I got a quick question for you Brendan um are you still working a regular nine to five as well as doing comedy or straight comedy yeah still I still work my nine to five which has been my biggest struggle these days it's like the deeper and deeper I get into comedy uh and then having to manage the nine to five job I I like keep taking demotions they're like you know what I'm like, guys, just leave me alone more. I got more stuff I want to do with comedy. So I'm like, I, I'm always one foot in, one foot out when it comes to my nine to five. And I'm just getting to the point where I'm, I'm working toward how I can get successful enough in comedy so that I can leave that nine to five job. But right now yeah. I'm still doing it. Lucky that I still had it during the pandemic because otherwise I would have been screwed. But that's yeah. my goal is just getting successful enough where I don't have to do that anymore. But I'm still working nine to five for uh, for the time being. Gotcha. Fast. That's what's up, man. Yay. It's tough, man. No, I, I know, bro. Trust me. I, like I said, I'm a truck driver. So, you right. know. The, those hours are insane, man. I mean. Well, it, I, luckily, I have I have a set schedule. So, I, I have a straight eight-hour shift. Uh, sometimes I have to work 12 hours, but other than that, man, like, you know, I know what it's like. So that's why I wanted to ask you if, you know, if you're still out there pushing and pushing a pin or whatever it is you're doing and pushing a pin at night, you know, with these jokes. So Yeah. Exactly <laughs> what I'm, what I'm going through right now. And at times you feel like you're working two full-time jobs, but you know, it's what, what, uh, you know, hopefully uh, it's just going to get me to that point uh, of success that, that, uh, I'm working toward, but you know, yeah. find out with time. Yeah, that, that's, that's what's good. Up, and Joel, uh, you know, thank you again for joining us. Uh, you know, your t- tenacity for what you've built 
And, you know, before we let you guys go and we wrap all this up in about 10 minutes or so, I want, like, it's great what you've built, Joel, but, uh, but I think, uh, I think we have to talk a little bit about your team as well. That is completely behind you because that, that is definitely your backbone, uh, I mean that the story about where uh, you were paying your marketing guy and you wrote on that check worth every penny. Uh, please talk a little bit about your team because well, so it, it's it's so funny, man. I'll do that with different comics. Like if they do something funny on stage or there's some inside joke between the two of us, I'll put that on the memo all the time, and then I'll forget that I did it, and then uh, <laughs> someone will say. It. But that was that was a way of saying because. Uh, Joey came with me from Valley Forge when I, when I, when I thanked him and I told him I was leaving, he didn't text me back. He called me. He goes, where are you going? And he's like, and can I just come with you? So he was along the ride and everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people that he used to work with at Valley Forge and then his job before that, because it was, he was in that, that um, industry have gotten furloughed. And I never missed a payment to him. And he just assumed he was going to get laid off and then we'll pick back up wherever we were. I'm like, no, I signed a contract with you December 1st. And I said, I was going to pay you this amount of money for a year. So come hell or high water, I'm going to pay. And then literally I went to bed a year ago, it was a year ago last week that um, I went to bed with $300 in my account. And obviously he makes more than that. A week. So I was not going to be able to make that payment. Uh, so I went to bed going, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I woke up with the first grant that we got from the government in my account, allowing me to make that payment. And I, I took that again as, you know, manifesting and signing the universe that I was like, oh, we're on the right path. It's not, we're not going to be able to get, so I, I had two choices, man. You can either lay down or you can make it happen. And right before this whole thing, like Brendan and I had this whole, we, had, we were on a national tour. He was with uh, one of my other clients, uh, Aunt Mary Pat in, in uh, LA. I got his first TV appearance on True TV. We did he, literally what, that was probably a month before the shutdown, Brendan. Yeah, February. Yeah, you made that, you made your, and, he, and we had the whole momentum going. I had, you know, to use like a multi-level marketing thing. I had different streams of income from these monthly shows and managing comics, I was, you know, getting, and the club, a staff, and then everything just shut down. So, it, but we had these people around me and, and Dan Callahan said, it's like, I've handpicked everyone from, well, my sister who I can't really pick, but she's yeah. family. She's my biggest <laughs> critic and, and my biggest fan. And I got Brendan, yeah. who, who was a big dreamer as well. And then Joey St. John, who brings, brings our story to life through his editing and, and the graphics that he makes and Dan Callahan. So we're all in this together and being in the trenches has brought us as a tighter team. And without them, I wouldn't be able to do it because, you know, like Brendan said, they kind of have all set me straight a little bit when they're like, all right, I, I get where you're going, but let's make a slight left. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think you would agree the importance of a, you know, a, a strong team behind you is for to have those people on your team that will say no to you. Absolutely. Both my parents are in sales and I learned that early on that it's like two things. One, it's never I. Don't say I, it's it's we. And I've always gotten the importance of that. And also um, being in sales, you know, people always think, oh, you, you know, you're, you're just full of it. But if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. So I've always done that. Very and true. so so I never, I might forget, but at least I won't have to be like, what what did I say? Well, I said the truth. So do you remember what the truth is? Because that's what I said. Hey, that's a good motto to live by. That's that's, yeah. a, that, that's yeah. hella good advice. <laughs> yeah, that, that is great <laughs> advice, Joel. Yeah. You're listening to the motivational uh, soldier hour. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my guy, Tony Robbins. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Yeah. Just... <laughs> no, but uh, no, it, it's so good just to hear you say these things, man. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's manifestation. It's all of the hard work uh, you've put in, Brandon. Brandon, that you put into this. Uh, Brandon, do, do you have anything that you want to promote uh, along with? I know we're, you're going to promote the doc, but you know, Instagram, anything else? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the doc's the biggest thing that we're pushing right now, just to try to get as many views on that as possible, just to continue to expand the club. So obviously check out the documentary. It's on YouTube, uh, on social TV. Um, my Instagram is where I put out most of my content, Brendan Donegan Comedy. And then I'm starting up a podcast soon uh, that should be getting released. It's called My Girlfriend's TV Shows, where I just want to, I watch a bunch of <laughs> shows with my girlfriend and, and just shit on them. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good idea. I like that. That's really yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah I'm going to definitely yeah. uh, tune in. Yeah. yeah. Before, before all this happened, too, uh, Brendan was releasing a, a sketch a week. It's a monster, man. He, he like will come up with the these ideas, and then uh, I'll say, all right, well, we want to write goals, and we, we keep each other accountable. And so we, we'll tape them. Like, he literally comes in and takes charge, and Joey loves that part of our team because he literally has this idea, and we're able to film these sketches, like four sketches in three hours because Brendan's like, all right, let's go. These are your lines. This is what I need you here at 9 o'clock. No messing around. And he's got a cast of characters around him, so he's keeping them all in check. And uh, then his sister came in and did one and she like double parked and got dropped off by her mom. And she's like, all right, when's this coming out? He's like, you were just here for two minutes. Beat it. Like, <laughs> you're going to be getting back on there too, is we're going to be putting out some more sketches on soldier TV. So keep an eye out for that too, where we, before quarantine, we were releasing a lot on, um, on Instagram, on soldier TV, on YouTube. So we'll be getting that back to that soon as well. Okay. Totally. Great. And uh, Brendan, I got to commend you. you. You did a great job with doing the uh, documentary. Yes. Uh, I, I thought the pacing of it was rather, rather good because it moved along nicely. It didn't, it didn't drag. So great job. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for, for checking it out and for putting us on the, the podcast to help us promote it, man. The, every little thing uh, is going to help us build this thing. So appreciate it. For sure. I mean, it's, it's nothing but love on this end, uh, you know, after, you know, talking to you guys and uh you know joel uh thank you for coming on as well uh i have the, this podcast will drop on uh this wednesday april 14th. wednesday uh i see here uh on wednesday april 14th mark norman and friends will be at soul joel's comedy dome yeah then uh i can go through the events here for this coming weekend uh thursday on April 15th, it looks like you're doing a fundraiser uh, at Soul Joe's. That's pretty cool. You want to talk yeah, about that we, a little bit? Yep. We got Mike Somerville, and then uh, and then the, the weekend, we got Friday and Saturday with uh, with D.L. Hughley. So I'm very – as a fan of Kings of Comedy back in the 90s, I, I'm a huge uh, D.L. fan. Yeah. yeah. Same here. I love D.L. He, he's funny as hell. He's so funny. Uh, please check out uh, the documentary, Soul Survivor. Find a YouTube, Soul Jules TV. Uh, please check out anything that Soul Jules is doing. It's a hell of a place. I've been there uh, under the dome. Like I said, Joel, it's it's amazing what you've built and that drive, man. I, I just love it. And just to bring everybody along. And still, I got it's still ballsy as hell to start promoting a show without anybody on it. But that that's crazy and wild and i love that about you thanks man we, yeah we yeah. ordered we ordered that dome before we even had it paid for so <laughs> there's been some consistency to this madness man i'm, I'm about to i'm about to, i'm about to use your method to order a rolls royce and a and, a, and, and sign <laughs> off on a new house <laughs> <laughs> love it thanks fellas yes thank, uh, thank you, you bro and thanks, uh have a good man thank you yeah, you too See you guys. All right, bro. Thanks, man. Peace.